Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. So I'm talking today um, about mothers. We're going to talk about moms, mothers, what it means to mother. And um, one of the most famous mothers in the world is a woman who never married, and she never had any of her own biological children. She was a missionary. Can you think of who that is? Mother Teresa. She labored lovingly in the country of Calcutta, India for over 50 years, ministering to the poorest of the poor, the people dying on the streets. She brought them into a home and gave them a safe, dignified death. She embodied the term to mother, right? It's a verb. To mother is to provide physical care to people, to little ones, when we can't do that ourselves. It's to create safe spaces for little hearts and minds to grow and to develop. It's to model healthy interactions and conversations. It's to speak of Christ often, daily. To mother is to let those we mentor and disciple see our flaws, to see our mistake making. And when we make those mistakes, to let them see us say what? I'm sorry, can I get a do-over? To mother, especially in this season in the month of May, is to let go, to go home from graduation, bury your head in the pillow and just cry because a really cherished season is over. It is no more. Good season's coming up, but that season's over. Some of you are like, yay. Uh, And then to mother is to celebrate that all the advice and all the mentoring we gave our children that we thought they didn't hear, guess what? They're living it out now as young adults. So in a word, to mother is to create legacy. And so today, whether you're mothering your own biological children, whether you're a single mom, whether you're a widow and you're doing the mothering and the fathering, I actually have a sister who's a widow, whether you're a foster mom, whether you're a softball coach, a teacher, a nurse, a housekeeper, a med student, a resident, you are mothering, you are mentoring, you are discipling, and you are creating legacy. So today we're gonna talk out of 2 Timothy 1.5, and it says, I am reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your mother Eunice and your grandmother Lois, and now lives in you. So this is Paul talking. He's writing a letter to Timothy, who is a young man and the pastor of the church in Ephesus. It's a letter of encouragement, challenging Timothy to keep following Jesus, no matter the challenges he faces. And so the way he challenges Timothy is to say, hey, remember that sincere faith Where does that come from? That came from 
Lois and Eunice, your mom and your grandmother. Paul says, what I saw in them, Timothy, I see it in you. Your zeal to preach the gospel and your willingness to lead this church in Ephesus despite your youth, despite how young you are. What I see in you is no accident. Those people, Lois and Eunice, invested in you when you were young. They called out your confidence. They called out your giftings. That's what Lois and Eunice did. And all of us today who call ourselves Christ followers have that same influence. We're influencing somebody, okay? Whether it's positive or negative, you're influencing. And we don't get to just stop and be like, I can't influence right now, I'm really having a hard day, or I'm having a hard season, or I'm basically having a hard life. No, we're all influencing all the time. And because of that, just as Lois and Eunice said, we will leave a legacy. So the question is, what legacy will that be? Now we can leave different types of legacies. My mom sewed, she was skilled at sewing. I don't know how to sew, but she could pass on that legacy, right? To her sons or her daughters. Maybe we have a passion for cooking because we cooked in the kitchen with our grandmother and we enjoyed her food. Maybe you're in healthcare today. You're a doctor, a nurse, a dentist, an MA, an NA, and you're there because you heard stories from your mom who was an RN. But today, I wanna focus on the legacy of relating and relationship building. Are you guys familiar with that poem, All I Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten? Yeah, that's a great poem, right? It really encapsulates life. And it is there at the tender age of five in the sandbox that we learn to share or not share. We learn how to use our words or use our hands. We learn about conflict man management and we learn whether to stick together or not. We learn these skills at a really young age and they're most of the time learned from the people in our home, from moms, right? So. Let's ask ourselves a question today. What does our role, our presence in the lives of our children or those we mentor leave them? What relational legacy am I leaving my children because they're parented and mentored by us, Richard and Christy Green? So to understand relational legacy, it helps to look back to like where we came from, right? And so since I'm the speaker today, you guys are gonna find out where I come from. Okay. Do you think you know? Okay, so I come from Louisiana, born and raised until the day Richard and I left for Bangladesh. I had only ever been overseas one time, and I had left the state, but not a lot. So, um, I'm from here, Alexandria, which is the central part of the state. My dad's from the northern part of the state, and um, Richard affectionately calls these people rednecks. <laughs> okay, so 
That's north of Alexandria. Below Alexandria is Cajun country, and that's where my mom's from. Did somebody shout? All right. So that's Cajun country, right? We've got the good food in Cajun country. We got the gumbo, the jambalaya, shrimp creole, etouffee, sauce piquant, and boudin. And if you don't know boudin, when, meet me in the lobby and I can talk to you about that, okay? Um, my, somehow my parents ended up in this area, met. My mom went to an all-girls Catholic school. My dad went to an all-boys Catholic school. And they rendezvoused, fell in love, and married. So that is where I'm from. Um, now, this is one of my favorite pictures of my mom and dad. They were young, obviously. I am the oldest of um, six kids, right? Six kids, imagine that. So this is us, Christy, Mickey, Susie, Ronnie, Amy, Danny. Six of us, I think my mom had us in 12 years. That's a lot, right? Um, my parents' names are Anne and Jerry Rachel. so my maiden name's Rachel, and my mom named me Anne Christina Rachel. But when you get a big name in the South, you're never called your first name. They pluck a name out. And so my mom's name is actually Anne, so I go by Christy. That's what she always intended to call me, but my name is Anne Christina Rachel. Um, the next picture is, uh, so this is kind of, this is like fast forwarding, right? So I'm a junior in high school. Uh, this is my mom after six kids in her neon terry cloth. Uh, and six kids, this is Linda, Mickey's girlfriend. They ended up marrying, and they're still married. They've been married longer than Rich and I. What I want you to know about this picture is that my dad and I did not have a good relationship at this time. I was a very stubborn borderline, or I was, a rebellious teenager. And uh, I was his first kid. I don't think he knew what to do with me. And so our relationship was always super contentious, right? Um, but the one place where we bonded and we found a lot of camaraderie was on the softball field. He was my first softball coach. He's the first one to hit a grounder and hit me in the eye. Uh, so my favorite memory with my father is when he would come home from lunch and we had a big backyard and we actually had a baseball diamond in the backyard, smaller, but we had you know, all the bases and home plate. And he would hit me grounders. Now, who knows what a worm burner is? Okay, nobody. So it's like he hit me a grounder so hard and so fast that if a worm poked his head up, it would burn the top of his head. <laughs> and that's a worm burner. And you guys, every year when my dad sends me a birthday card, and most recently when he calls, oh, makes me emotional. He says, hey, Chris, can you still catch a worm burner? And every year I say, yes, I can. So I'll be 62 next March, and I will still say I can catch a worm burner. Um, 
Most recently, my family and I were all together in Louisiana for my mom's 80th birthday party. So this is a recent picture of us. Um, I'm really close to my sisters, who I try to see at least once a year. Uh, Amy is a nurse, and Susie, in August, will uh, retire from FedEx. She's been a courier for FedEx for almost 40 years, and she said, I can't do the road rage anymore. Um, and then I'm pretty close to my brothers, not as close as with the sisters. This is Rich's favorite picture. He's, it's his stereotypical image of Louisiana. <laughs> but these are my three brothers in their natural habitat. Uh, so Ronnie was an x-ray tech for a number of years. Now he's chosen to drive a truck and he hauls ash. Ash. <laughs> Mickey has a master's in forestry and I'm not sure exactly what he does, but he works in the woods and behind a desk. And Danny was full-time National Guard and what did he uh, retire as? Sergeant Major. So that, the, that's my family, you guys. That's where I came from. Those are my people, besides y'all. Um, and so what you need to know is that my story represents many experiences and challenges that shaped who I am, how I feel about money, how I feel about food, my worldview, my eating habits, how I feel about men, the career I chose, how I love sports, the one common thread, though, through each of the events and milestones in my life is what I learned about relationships, how to relate to my nuclear family, to my friends, my coworkers, my peers, my teammates, and later when I became a believer at the age of 24, how I relate to my faith family, how I relate to all of you. The cumulative result of these experiences, that's me, who I am as a parent, as a mom. And these experiences have become the tools that I use to relate to my children. So does it scare you to hear this? Do you question the relational landscape that you've created in your family so far? If the answer is yes and yes, that's actually good, because this is consequential stuff. It's eternal stuff. But fear not. If the accumulation of our life experiences did not position us well to leave our children a healthy relational legacy, there is hope. And I want to give you that hope today. So what is a healthy relational legacy? I believe that it is at least three things. It is the fruit of my relationship with Jesus. It is the overflow of vulnerability. And it changes the world. So let's look at this first one. A healthy relational legacy is the fruit of my relationship with Jesus. So in case I didn't already say this, this thing called mothering to mother, to mentor and disciple, is actually more about us than the people we're mentoring. All mentoring and discipling starts with the person that is doing it. So let me ask you a question. 
How is your relationship with Jesus? How do you experience Jesus? How does Jesus experience you? In Romans 5.8, Paul says, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But I love how the message puts it in verse six. Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. And this means his death. He didn't and he doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death when we were far too weak and rebellious, I was rebellious, to do anything to get ourselves ready. And I, I love that because what if we had to get ourselves ready? Could we do it? I don't know if I could have done it. So guys, listen, we have been accepted by God. Amen? We have been accepted by God. When we were lost in sin and rebellion, Jesus reconciled us back to the Father. We have been accepted, and that experience of relational wholeness with Jesus will inform the relationship that I have with my children. Now, I have a newsflash. Children are professional mistake makers. Okay, who knows this, right? They are learning in front of us every single day. I know this from my own children. Moms, you know this. We know it as grandparents. So what are they learning about? Gravity. Okay? They drop and throw stuff. What do they drop and throw? They're passy. They're lovey. Food. They're blanky. Right? Sometimes they throw my favorite coffee mug. They throw their water bottles. They also learn about the resilience of the human body. How? By hitting, punching, <laughs> kicking, biting, all done on another human body. Sometimes they're siblings, sometimes us, sometimes at daycare. Now teenagers, teenagers learn about economics. They learn, I have no money, my parents have money, I still have no money because I spent it all on junk food. I, that was something I didn't understand about my teenagers, how much they like junk food, or fast food, I should say. So these professional mistake and mess makers are learning in front of us every single day. And if our life is not marked by grace, sonship, daughtership, reconciliation, It'll show in the way that we respond to their failures. So about seven years ago, one of my sons, he was on the video, Gabrielle, he was engaged to be married. And the wedding venue was secured, which was here. And I know. And then the reception venue was secured. Everything was a go. And I'm at work one day. I hear an overhead page, Christy. Line three, three, I, you know, I'm like, hello. And no one was on, no one answered. And I said, hello. And then I heard a little bit of crying. And it was Gabrielle. And he went on to tell me that his fiance had broken off the engagement, that they were done. So as you guys know, 
When something happens inside your family, it doesn't just happen in a vacuum to that one kid. It affects everybody. Do you guys feel that way too? I mean, the whole family, we were all sort of reeling um, over the next couple of weeks, talked about it a lot with each other, Rich and I and the, our other kids. Um, Caitlin was still living at home. Katie was on the video. Um, and then Gabrielle called me two weeks later. Mom, call Katie now. Tell her to say I'm sorry and to make it right. This is not how we do things. She had no, he was just like rambling on. And I said, what happened? And he said, she called his ex and kind of used colorful language. And just like the video, I'm like, oh my word. Told her what's up and she didn't appreciate it. And you know, she was defensive for her brother. So at that time, Rich and I talked and uh, we decided, no, we're not going to demand that Katie give an apology. We're not going to be her Holy Spirit. We're just going to wait and see what happens. So you, you have to wait too. So <laughs> let me propose that our homes, this is important, our homes should be a safe place to fail. We want to send the message that I, as the mentor, I, as the adult in the room, can handle your mistakes. Failure is not fatal, especially in the context of mentoring someone else. So I, I'm not afraid of my kids' mistakes. Why am I not afraid? First of all, because I probably made some of those exact same mistakes. But second, and most important, I've experienced the saving grace of Jesus Christ. In fact, I experience that daily. And there is room in our house for both your mistake and God's grace. And I just want you guys to know today, I feel this, there's room in this house for your mistakes and God's grace. We always say, the doors of this church are wide enough for any of y'all's baggage, including mine, right? And some days I come in with a lot of baggage. So there was room in our house, Richard and Christy Green's house, for a teenage girl to both make a mistake and then experience God's grace. Caitlin picked up the phone, called Gabrielle's ex, and asked for forgiveness all without us telling her. I would like to think she experienced grace in our house and that made her want to extend that. Secondly, a healthy relational legacy is the overflow of vulnerability. So let's define vulnerability. I like how Brene Brown defines it. It is uncertainty, risk, and emotional exposure. Vulnerability is also the birthplace of love belonging, joy, courage, and empathy. And I'm sure Timothy experienced this from Eunice and Lois, from his mother and grandmother. Now, I don't know many other roles or professions that better define uncertainty and risk than being a mom, than being a mentor. To mother is to walk around exposed and this is both positive and negative. 
Some of us may have grew up, grown up under very difficult circumstances. Um, we may have experienced a lot of trauma growing up, whether it was emotional, physical, or neglect. And this can come out around our kids. They see us get angry. They see us feeling insecure. And they see us struggle in our own daily walk with Christ. This makes us feel exposed. It made me feel exposed. And while all of these things may sound really scary or difficult to navigate in our parenting, our mothering, and our mentoring, let me propose to you that without vulnerability, without showing our hearts to our children, a healthy relational legacy is not possible. Vulnerability sets the table for healthy dialogue, for a healthy relational exchange. Vulnerability says, I'm showing up for you today. What you're doing, I don't like it. It's not right. I wish things were different. I don't like who you're hanging out with. But more than being right today, I want to connect with you. Now, I see some of you twitching, kind of thinking, um, okay, they're getting away with sin. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. I want these kids to pay. <laughs> right? It's how you feel sometimes. But being vulnerable does not mean that our children's wrong choices are without consequences. No. What it does mean is that the posture of my heart matters. Am I putting out, it's me against you. I have all the power here and you have none. And just to pick on uh, Gabrielle again, fast forward, he's married to another girl. And they have a child. Um, he's now gotten into PA school and they have to be there in October. And so for a couple of months before that, they're living with us. And one day we were all in the kitchen, Gob, Taylor, his wife, myself. Taylor's cooking because Taylor is from Cajun country and she knows how to cook. So she's cooking and we're having good conversation. And then Gabrielle says, mom, you know, I'm kind of worried about like, where are we going to live? Should we bring both our cars? We have to get loans again. And he's listing off all the things he feels, you know, are a challenge for him. So I listened for a little bit, and I think I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay. And he keeps talking and talking, and um, I don't know why, but that day I just wasn't feeling empathy or compassion. I don't know why, just saying. And uh, finally I said, well, you know, Gabrielle, Anything worth doing is worth suffering for. I mean, hey, look at your dad and I. We suffered to start this church, but we did it. Okay, it's not my best day, I know. <laughs> I'm just telling you, that's exactly what I said. And um, Taylor stopped stirring. Gabrielle got quiet. Now, how many of you know that this parenting moment is pivotal? Like, he says to me, Mom, good for you. But while you were doing all that, sometimes we weren't having the best experience on this side of things. 
So this is a pivotal moment. It's like, what am I gonna say? You get 2.5 seconds to get it right. Yeah? And I'm just, that day I felt grateful that almost 30 years before, Rich and I had decided we wanna live authentic lives where we show our hearts to people, where we show our hearts to you all. And so I was able to say to Gabrielle, I'm sorry, like, I think I'm unaware of some things here. And it started our family on a journey of just talking about all the things they experienced. That is because of vulnerability. It set the table for us to be able to talk about things. Lastly, a healthy relational legacy that is centered on honoring those we mentor, choosing connection over being right, and not trying to be their Holy Spirit is a legacy that will change the world. The opposite of honor and connection is isolation, shame, and disconnection. And I don't think any of us here who mother or mentor want that as a relational legacy. The reason I so strongly believe a healthy relational legacy can change the world is because of the restoration it brings. Let's look at the Apostle Paul. As Saul, he was the church's public enemy number one. He was a religious terrorist bent on destroying the church. But once Saul encountered Jesus, his zeal was directed elsewhere. It was attached to a new motive, a new goal. His desire was now toward building up the sons and daughters of that early church. So Paul, chief of sinners, are for us, chief mess and mistake maker, is lovingly set right by Jesus. He is not only restored, but becomes a restorer. In fact, that is exactly what he's doing with Timothy. He is building him up, encouraging him in a difficult task, and encouraging Timothy Timothy to dig deep into that legacy that Lois and Eunice gave him. Timothy has received a legacy that is being passed on to the church in Ephesus, and that is what will change the world. So in the same way, to moms, to dads, to partners, to mentors, to those who disciple, we come alongside our children, are the people God has put in our lives. We touch their blind eyes, believing that they too will see Jesus and experience him. We step in to our children's mess and walk alongside them toward their journey, toward relational wholeness with themselves, to the Father, and to this world. And so the mistake makers are restored and become restorers. And that is what changes the world. I'll have you guys all stand. So moms and mentors, influencers, I can say, we all have influence over our children and those we disciple. And I pray that our influence will leave a relational legacy that causes us to seek Jesus, to be open-hearted and open-handed, to be vulnerable, and then see the world around you change, and then that can change the whole world. 
Amen. So I just, real quick, because i short on time, but I feel like God would say something um, to some of you today. You feel you cannot give a relational legacy to your children because of your past. Now that is not from God. The devil always reminds us of our past. You know what he's worried about? Your future, because it is far good. So if your legacy, what was given to you was not godly, it's dysfunctional, it's messed up, jacked up, then right now today, let's declare that we're gonna give a healthy relational legacy to our children. Amen? Amen. All right, let me pray. Hallelujah, Father. Lord, I love you. I thank you for these sons and daughters. I thank you for this community of faith. I thank you, Father, that we are influencers, Lord Jesus, and we are influencers for the good, for you. And I thank you, Father, that even now, people all across the room are purposing in their heart, Lord God, to create a healthy relational legacy. Firstly, to follow you. Second, to open their hearts, to show their hands, to be vulnerable to those that they influence. In Jesus, we know that it will change the world around them, and then it will change the whole world. I believe that. I know Rich believes that. In Jesus' name, amen.